I'm going to pray, and we're getting to get into the Word right away this morning. I, I feel like I have a, uh, feel like I have an impartation today. Amen. God's going to move. Jesus, I just thank you so much. I pray, Lord, right now, by your power of your Holy Spirit, you settle some things in our hearts. Help us to uh, quiet the distracting thoughts, the distracting voices, and focus on you. Impart to us today, God, by your word, by your Holy Spirit. We love you. We love your people, God. We love the community that you're building. We love the fact that, God, you're, you're just, uh, there's a grace that's just uh, reaching out and restoring people to your house and restoring people, bringing people into salvation, bringing people into hope. God, this morning, there's people here this morning that I just, I just sense that you want to restore hope. You want, you want to rebuild the, the hope trust, the trust they have in you, and with that brings a hope. Help me to be a, uh, help me to be a clear communicator, preacher this morning, in Jesus' name. They all said amen. 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 Listen, uh, I, you know, I, I really feel like, I felt like uh, uh, Pastor Robbie, um, she, she's a like certified mental health coach, and she's always into you know, into podcast and, and training and all that stuff. And she said something to me the other day that I was actually blown away. She said, the average person has 40,000 thoughts go through their head every day. And I'm thinking, wow, how many, I, like, God, please help me, maybe 20,000 today. Because the 20,000, the others that go through my head are usually not, you know. And so I, I'm, just, I'm just really believing that, that God is settling some stuff in our in our thinking, he's transforming the way that we filter things. He's, he's moving uh, in an incredible way, and we're experiencing uh, an amazing touch of God. How many of you over the last few weeks have kind of felt like God's just going to another level? Amen. It's so good. It, it's so amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful for our preaching team. I'm super grateful for, uh, I, I kind of had a little FOMO going on, fear of missing out. A couple of weeks ago, we were ministering, or we were actually at another church while our, our son Drew was being set in, and man, we just heard about this amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh my God, it, but it was so good because like I wasn't here. It was good. I mean, it was like, hey, it, I, God's just going to move despite whoever's up on this platform, whoever's leading worship. This is his church. This is his stuff, and I love it, but I am so appreciative to our to our, our pastoral staff, our, our preaching staff, uh, just bring an amazing word. Pastor Joel just brought a great word and was sensitive a couple weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Stephen was absolutely off the hook. It was so good. Um, and I, I, we we're supposed to move into a new series this morning. And I just feel like, I felt, I, I felt, I felt like I just, I just can't quite do it, you know. And so I want to, I, I, you know, over the past few weeks, we've experienced such an amazing move and presence of God that I, I felt like I should continue um, in the Not Be Shaken uh, series for one more Sunday. Uh, these are times that God is shaking some things up. Amen. And, and some of you, you know, I've had people come to me and just like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with what I'm experiencing. I, I've I've maybe seen some things and experienced some things that I've never, never been aware of, and, and where do I go from here? And, and, you know, when we think about revival, we think 
that revival has to do with God dealing with the bad guys. Get them, God. Sick them, God. And you know what? It's not. It's actually God dealing with his people. It's actually God bringing his people into a greater sense, readjusting priorities and, and reforming thinking. Um, and, and, and so in reality, revival has to do with God encountering his people and moving in such a way that life is not the same again. And so I believe this. I believe that what we have experienced is described in this Hebrew word pronounced kabod. And kabod, sometimes it's translated as glory, but the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for that is kabod. And it means the heavy presence of God. Um, kabod, uh, defined glory, honor, divine presence, often refers to the manifestations of the presence of God in the tabernacle or temple, can also refer to the reputation or character of God or occasionally men. Kabod is also framed as an attribute, an attribute that God possesses, while at other times it's framed as his actual presence. That's the kabod, the heavy presence of God. And so once again, I've heard in and, and, and been talking to people, testimonies, read testimonies that have never experienced the presence of God in this, uh, this dimension. And honestly, they don't know really how to respond to it. So this is a passage that I'm going to open up this morning that I think helps us to understand, helps us to respond when God is moving strongly in our lives. I love to read stories of revival in the past. I love it. It's like, it's actually... Revival, a lot of times we, we like, yes, we want revival. Do you know revival will mess you up? Do you know revival will wreck you? Do you know revival will mess your calendar up? I mean, it, it, it will wear you out in some ways because it's God actually saying, okay, I'm going to shake some things in your life and I'm going to bring you into a place of holiness that maybe you've never experienced before. And that's something that a lot of times the church doesn't like to really preach on is the holiness of God and the purity of God. But I'm telling you what, one of the common things of every revival, if you study revivals, I studied the, 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 the greatest 10 revivals in history. And you know what one of the common denominators is? Is repentance. It's repenting from sin. And a lot of times, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to hear about that. Listen, sin will kill you. It is destructive. It's that illegal operating system that's basically been superimposed upon the earth because of, of Adam's transgression and the enemy's foothold. And we got to break that thing. But I love to read the stories of revivals in the past and communities that were transformed because of them. During the Welsh revival, for example, the culture was so transformed that new mules had to be secured to work in the coal mines. Because the old mules wouldn't respond to miners who no longer cursed and abused the animals. That's a true story. There were Sunday school reforms. There were prisoner reforms. There was the abolition of slavery. All in response to people who encountered God in an amazing way. In a kabod way, if you will. We were created to be responsive people. When God moves, we're created to move with him. And I preached this passage a few years back, it's one of my favorites that I love to preach. So uh, to others, um, it may be, to some it may be fresh and new, and to others it might be a reminder. But it's about a story about the, a woman who responds to God moving in her life. And I do not believe that any passage, story, or scripture 
in the Bible is there by chance, but it's been ordained by God to transform us, to equip us, to challenge us, or warn us, or show us what a, re, what a correct response when we encounter God, especially the kabod presence of God in this season. Amen? So you all ready to go? You all ready to go? Okay. 2 Kings 4, 8 through 10, if you have your Bibles, turn. It'll be a lot of scripture. So those of you that may be a little behind in your devotionals this week, we're going to catch you up right now. 2 Kings 4, 8 through 10. One day, Elisha, somebody say Elisha, went to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God, a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. I love this story. I love preaching this story. It's a reminder to me. Elisha here represents the man of God on earth, represents the move of God, represents what we would even say the kabod presence of God moving in a way in his people. And in this visitation, people knew he was a man of God, the power of God, and this woman determined to make a commitment to that move. Many times in our lives, we are aware of the visitation of God, but we neglect to do anything in commitment to it. You know, I remember going to, to youth camp, man. I loved youth camp. I love youth camps. I think youth camps are one of the best things that we can do for our kids. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean they're not, not messy sometimes. It does because you're dealing with people. But, man, I went to a, a youth camp in seventh grade. My life was absolutely transformed. And it changed me for about two weeks. <laughs> then the Holy Ghost bumps kind of, you know, wore off, and I turned back into the same old person I was before. Because I, I experienced the moving of God, but I didn't know how to make a commitment to it. I didn't know how to sustain it. I didn't know how to, to actually take everything that I'd have experienced in that, in that new sense of glory and holiness, and I didn't know what to do with it. And actually, you went back into an environment that actually kind of degraded it because I didn't keep myself in that environment that would continue to stir it up. You see what I'm saying? We're touched or we're aware of God's working, His presence, or even what God is doing in other people's lives, but there's no long-lasting response on our part. How do we change that? So Shunem was a very strategic place in the land as it was positioned to guard Israel from the enemies that would come from the east. Like I say, you start unpacking all of this stuff and you go, okay, Shunem, that's cool. That's a cool name. Or maybe what? that's not a great name. I don't know. But Shunem was actually strategically positioned to guard. And there's some very strategic positions in our lives that God wants to touch. He wants to visit as those places can be vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And some of those strategic places have been compromised. They've been torn down. They've been wounded. We've been, you know, we've been hurt. And the divine presence of God can bring a rebuilding and a repositioning. If you will, I believe that there's people here this morning that you have areas of your life that you absolutely need rebuilt. There's been some strategic places in your life 
that you didn't know were there that you needed to be shored up and the enemy has come and he's basically attacked you right in that place. And God wants to restore some stuff. So the story here is real and yet it's very applicable to our lives as believers. So here's a question. Are you making room for God in your life? Are you making room for God in your life? How do you make room for God? And so the story of the Shunammite woman has some truths that we can apply to our lives, and so we're going to unpack it. In 2 Kings 4, 8 through 10, it says, One day, Elisha went to Shunam, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. Here's my first big idea. Do not let your possessions distract you. Verse 8 says she was wealthy. Another translation says, describes her as notable, a notable woman. And many times in our prosperity or in our material things, it can be a, distract, a distraction from having a consistent walk with Jesus or even recognizing that we need a move of God. You know why Americans sometimes are the hardest nation to reach with the gospel? is because we have so much. And then we think that because we have so much, then that must be all that there is. But there's still this emptiness in every person without Jesus, without the relationship with Jesus. And what you find is that you, you, you'll, you'll pursue and you'll think, well, if I just get this, if I just get that, if I, if I gather this to me, you know, if I had the nice house and the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids and the trophy wife, I would be happy. And then you get them. And that little two point, the little half a guy, he's running around a little bit. But basically, and then you find out, you find out that I'm still empty inside. There's still a void inside. And so what happens is it becomes a vicious circle. Because then you're just trying to figure out. I've seen people, you know, go after this, this, this job thing and go after this and go after this opportunity. And it's all trying to feed something that can only be fed by the presence of God, a relationship with God with basically the revival that God wants to bring in your life. Can I say this? Without Jesus, you will never be content. Without the Holy Spirit, you will never feel that, that sense of contentment and wholeness and joy that actually you're longing for and that you were created for and that you were made for. And then sometimes our lack can be a distraction. Sometimes our lack of things can be a distraction, and we find out that there's 40,000 thoughts that go through your head. How many of those 40,000 thoughts going through your head are pointing you consistently towards the things of God? I'm like, God, please, please, I repent, I repent. How many of you sat down like with just to do your devotion? And then all kinds of stuff is going through your head and like, wait, wait, I got to get in the Word, wait, Amen. That happens to me all the time. I realize i got to take every thought into captivity. I'm not going there yet. I know that's urgent, but I'm not going there yet. I'm not going to go there. i got to focus. It's like talking to somebody. You ever talk to somebody and you realize they're not even looking at you? You know, they're looking beyond you. And I'm thinking, how does that make God feel? Here I am, God, I'm, I'm talking to you. Like, yeah, but man, I got to get that. I got to get the lawn mowed, and I, I got I to gotta talk to that one person. I got that meeting that's coming up. I got that financial thing I got to do. Oh, wait a minute, God, let's talk. Man, we can get distracted. 
Sometimes our lack. The woman was wealthy, and yet in her heart there was an emptiness that the wealth could not fill. Sometimes we think if our financial needs are met, then we would be happy. Sometimes, and so many times in the Bible, from this woman to the rich young ruler that wanted to follow Jesus, we find there's a void that only a relationship with God fills. Verse 9, and she said to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is the holy man of God who is continually passing our way. She recognized that there was a move of God in her life. She recognized the working of God in her life. She, she became self-aware. Wait a minute, this is this not a coincidence. What you've experienced here over the last two or three weeks or uh, whatever has been happening is not just a coincidence. It's not just about the worship team finally hitting it. It's not about the pastor finally hitting the thing. It's about God just saying, hey, if you will notice what I'm doing, if you will understand that I am coming to visit you, then I'm going to come in a greater dimension, in a kabod dimension than you've ever experienced before. I think all of us can point to that time or event or situation where we absolutely knew, we know that God is moving, and yet, do we do something about it? Do we follow through with it? What do we do about it? Do we just like, okay, God touched me, that's great, now it's Monday. The description continually passing our way stands out to me. The movement of God in our life should not be a one-off. It shouldn't be a, oh man, I went to a great revival service and that's good, that'll fill me up for a year. No, we're supposed to consistently be in this place of God moving in our life. And if we're not careful, it passes us by with no commitment or action on our part. This woman not only recognized it, but she told her husband, and it motivated her to make room. Not to be just content to have a touch from God. She courted the presence of God. She courted the presence of God. How many of you love it when somebody really wants you to come? Unless it's like somebody you don't really like, you know, then that's a little different. Man, this person keeps bugging me. But I'm talking about it's good to be invited. It's good to be wanted. It's good to have somebody reach out to you and actually pull you in. It's like, man, I would really love to spend some time. I would really love to spend some time with you. I mean, I could change the atmosphere in my home if I just go to my wife and I could say, you know what? I just really want to spend some time with you. She would be like, yes. What do you want me to do? I don't want you to do anything. I just want to spend some time with you. It changes the atmosphere. So the woman goes on in verse 10. She says, let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. She made room. She actually did something in the natural to respond to the supernatural. Isn't that amazing? She took her wealth, her prosperity, her notability, and committed it in response to the visitation of God she experienced. She took action that cost her something. And she built. She didn't build just any room. She did not remodel a closet or a basement. She actually made an upper room on the roof. This is what really challenged me. It speaks of a prominent place. It speaks of a place that would change how the house looked. 
Come on, if, you, if I drove by your house and then the next day you'd actually put a room on the roof, I'd be like, something's going on there. <laughs> Something that even the neighbors would be aware of. What's that guy doing? What's that lady doing? I, I, I know a, a crazy prophetic pastoral friend of mine. We're actually going to have him come and preach here this year. You guys are going to love him. But man, he was so passionate about prayer that one day, I'm not, I'm not recommending that you do this, but one day he goes up and he takes a sledgehammer and he basically punches a wall through his living room door into the garage so all the intercessors would have better access. I'm like, dude, that is passionate. How'd your wife like that, bro? But I'm talking about the principle is she did something. The room that we make for God in our lives, our homes, our marriages should not be something that's tucked away or hidden, but something that absolutely changes the appearance of these things in our lives. God wants rooms in our life. He wants room in our lives that's strategic, that's thought out, that changes things. The worst witness of Christianity is people that claim to have accepted Jesus and then nothing changes. There's a form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. I'm telling you what, the power of God in your life will change. It'll change your marriage. It'll change the relationship you have with your children. It'll change the relationship that you have with your employer or employees. It'll change the relationship that you have with your neighborhood if you'll let the power of God come in and actually move and you've made room for that. The next idea is the room in my head should change. The room in my head should change. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Stronghold in the Bible is defined as a house of thoughts. How many of you in that 40,000 thoughts a day realize that there can be some strongholds that basically get formed? Some ways of thinking. Some filters that aren't, uh, aren't healthy. And, and, and there's a requirement for my thought life to change, for transformation to happen. And that only happens if, if there's room for God that I've made. The room in my heart should change. Something in my heart should change. When I'm responding to the move of God, I know how it, in, in, in how it's structured and how I feel and in compassion renewed. The Bible says that God will remove a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. You should, you, you should basically say, God, change my heart. David said, search my heart. I mean, that's, a, that's an honest prayer. Search my heart, O oh God. See if there be any wicked thing in me and lead me into thy everlasting way. Come on, that takes some courage. Search my heart, O oh God. That's like going up to somebody and like your wife and saying, hey, tell me all the stuff that needs to change in my life. There's something about being transparent before God when you respond to a move of God. The next idea is new boundaries are created. There are walls in the room, and the walls speak of boundaries. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He is the power of God moving in your life, not only rebuilding some things, but setting some boundaries that are healthy. There are some things that you cannot do anymore. As the Holy Spirit makes you aware of moral things, integrity things, character things. 
One of the greatest marks of every historical revival, I said it early, is repentance. And we have a tendency to think of revival as like, go get the bad guys, God, change them. And God says, no, actually, the, the, the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the, of the Lord. God wants to change us. We can't, we, can't be, uh, we can't be used to change the world unless we're willing for God to change us. And own our stuff, man. Own your junk. Own your stuff. Be self-aware. The Holy Spirit will speak to you unless you continually ignore him. Room for prayer, room for reading the word, room for worship, room for fellowship, room for service, room for giving, room in my finances. What I found is the move of God will touch your finances. And if you start resisting, then you won't experience the move of God in your finances. And I'm telling you what, I needed God to move in my finances. Because you know what happens is that's usually the big measure. Jesus said this, he said, where your 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 where your treasure is, then your heart will be also. People get that messed up. They go, well, where your heart is, then your treasure is. No, that's not true. That's not what he said. He says, where your treasure is, then your heart will follow. And you know how you find that out? If you've never been in the stock market, go put 500 bucks into it. And guess what? You'll start following it. Every day you'll go, oh, 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 oh. You'll, it, it's a measure. Wherever I have made room for God in my life, that area has changed. When I made room for God in my marriage, my marriage changed. Relationships, finances, time. And when you open up a room in your home, you're being selfless. You're extending yourself. So four things in that room. Room speaks of priority. Bed speaks of a resting place. Chair speaks of uh, to meditate or be strategic. How many of you, you sit down and you meditate? That's the chair. And then you find the lamp speaks of illumination. These are the things that God wants to bring into our life. And we can build some amazing things happen to the Shunammite woman. Amazing things happen to her. She was barrenness, barren and childless. So she makes room. And then Elisha comes to her. And, and he says, well, what, what can I do? What can I do for you? And she's like, you, you don't need to do anything for me. And then Gehazi goes to Elisha, uh, and Gehazi was Elisha's servant. He says, well, uh, she doesn't have any children, and her husband is getting old. Because if her husband passes, she has no one to support her. So basically, we find that there is a move that basically brings life to the barrenness. We too often hope for some amazing things from God, who I believe wants to move like this in our lives, but we've not made room first. And it's also true that our lives are barren without a relationship with God, without making room for God. So what we find without unpacking the story for the sake of time is basically she, comes, she becomes with child. And it was out of that move of God. It was out of that relationship. It was out of that gift and out of that blessing. And so we get a little further on down the story in 2 Kings 4, 18 through 21. And it said, and when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. 
The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. But when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind and went out. See, this mother was also able in a time of great desperation and need to enter a room that she had committed to. And the room speaks of relationship. There are things in life that are so difficult to walk through. There are things in life that are broken, broken world, broken people, broken dreams. And yet, this is what I really want you to capture this morning. If we've created and made room for God in our lives, there's a place to go. There's a place to take these wounds. There's a place to take these dreams that have died. There's a, a place to take the pain. And we have a place that we can go because we've actually already made room for God in our life. She didn't know anything else except to take the child to the room she had built in response to the move of God in her life. In 2 Kings 4.32, this is where it gets crazy, crazy spiritually. When Elisha came into the room, he saw the child lying dead on his bed, and so he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. He went up and lay on the bed, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Come on, that is a miracle right there. That is amazing right there. Can you imagine what that mother felt like? That which was lost has now been resurrected. Then he summoned Gazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he called her. She came to him and he said, pick up your son. I love it. So matter of fact. Pick up your son, he's alive. I just breathed on him. I just laid on him. I just did what, I know it might look weird to you, but I just did what God told me to do. And so pick him up. So she, she came, fell at his feet, bowing to the ground, and then she picked up her son and went out. Let me have my worship team come. When we make room for God, there's a place. Come on, I'm start preaching now. When we make room for God, there is a place that we can take the barren things in our life and God will make them fruitful. There's a place that we can go when we're in need. There's a place that we can always be in position of receiving the power of God. Have you let God pass by today without responding? Man, it's so powerful. It's such a powerful picture. A lot of times, the problem that we have is that we read these things. Yeah, I'm reading, I'm reading in 1 Kings, I'm reading in 2 Kings, and, and we just go by it without understanding the magnitude and the revelation that God is trying to reveal to us. See, it's, it's almost like I sense the Lord saying, I'm visiting you in a way that maybe you've never experienced. Because that's what he wants to do. Sometimes we're not that comfortable with that kind of intimacy from God, with that kind of powerful move of God, with that kabod presence of God. 
Sometimes it can make us a little, it feels a little awkward. And I, and I just I just feel like the pres, I feel like the spirit of God is just is is encouraging us. The more that you press in, the more that I press in. And the more that he presses in, the more he wants you to press in. The more that you lean in, he leans in. The more that he leans in, you lean in. What is our response? Do we just leave this place and kind of like it's business as usual? Or do we really understand this is something maybe I've never experienced before. I'm going to make room for it. I'm not going to worry about the calendar. I'm not going to worry about the clock. I'm going, to, I'm going to take everything that I have that's within me, and I'm going to create something new that maybe I've never created in my life, but that's room for God. I'm not going to be just uh, satisfied with coming to church on a Sunday and hoping the preacher preaches a good 40 minutes, and I'm hoping he doesn't go 45 because i got a pot roast going. I, I want something more than I've ever, I've ever expected. I want something more because now I realize that I needed it. I need to make some room. I need to, I, I, I need to, I need to make some room that changes the way that I think, that touches everything in my neighborhood, in my business. Maybe you're already a believer, but you need to do some remodeling. You know, remodeling is messy. How many of you realize that? I talked to a lot of builders. They'd rather build something brand new off the ground than try to remodel because you never know what you're going to get into when you start disassembling some stuff, right? But I'm telling you what, a lot of times we don't want God remodeling stuff in our life. We're just like, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. And God says, listen, I didn't call you to be just good. I called you for great things in your life. And if you want to see the architect work, and make room for him. If you want to see the author and the finisher of your faith actually continue to just write that, that, that chapter upon chapter in your life, then, then make room for him. Be sensitive to him. Allow him to, to actually permeate the places where, like, I mean, we're really good at hiding stuff, right? Somebody comes over to your house and you go, oh, man, the back bedroom, close the door. Right? kind of grab stuff real quick and throw it in there and make it kind of look good because I want, to, I want to look good. And God says, I see every area in your life that I would actually like to touch and I would actually like to make room if you would respond. If you would respond. There is a joy. There is a peace. There is an empowerment. There is an equipping. There is a way to think. Some of you struggle with the way that you think. Some of you struggle with the way that you speak. You realize... I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be doing this. I, some of you struggle with hanging on to unforgiveness and, and bitterness. And some of you struggle with you've actually made an idol out of your pain. Because it becomes comfortable. You get used to it. I remember, I love this movie. Young Frankenstein, years ago. And Igor had a hump on his back. And I remember every time he'd show up, the hump would be on the other side. And I remember one time he shows up and Dr. Frankenstein says, hey, I can, uh, I can remove that hump. And he goes, what hump? That's what we do. What hump? 
what hurt. I'm familiar with bitterness. I'm familiar with pain. And God says, I want to deliver you from that. I want you to take the barren stuff in your life, and I want to bring it, that into that place where, where God is saying, hey, listen, if you make room for me, I'm actually going to bring some dead things back to life. Can we just can we just sing that song? I just feel like we're supposed to worship right here for a moment.
describe your heart. To do whatever you want. Whatever you want. Can we just lift up our hands all over this building? got some stuff I need to like to remember the Shunammite woman actually took her son to the room to that room to that place it might be that today what you're carrying is is, is bitterness it might be unforgiveness it might be pain it's like there's a spirit of rejection like like I'm telling you what, that's a, that's a tough one right there. If any of these things that I'm speaking out is something that you basically realize, I need to take this up there. I need to, I need to receive, I need to receive, I, I need God to move in my life in any way. We got some room up here, just come up. We got some people that'll pray with you. We got people that will partner with you. Listen, there's not one, there, there's people here that your misery is going to be your ministry. But you've got to let go of it. You've got to let God heal. You've got to let God change. You've got to, there's, there's, there's someone here this morning that how you're thinking, sometimes it seems right, and then you realize this is not right thinking. I believe that God wants to change the filter of your, your thinking, of your thought process. He wants to transform your mind. There's some of you here this morning that there's some barren dreams, there's some dead things in your life that you need resurrected. I believe this. I believe most of the time, it takes a step in the natural for something in the spirit to be activated. It takes a step of faith on our part. It takes the blind man, Bartimaeus, crying out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It takes something, and then God responds. If you're here this morning, we're just going to wait for a little bit and just come on and just say, hey, I, I, I need some, I need God to move in my life. If you're here this morning, maybe you've never accepted the invitation of believing in Christ and walking with him as a follower. We always give the opportunity. It's the most amazing. We've seen, we've seen healings. We've seen stuff happen. But the most miracle thing that I've seen is somebody being raised from dead to life in belief Jesus as their Savior. If that's you this morning and you're saying, Pastor, today I want to I want to accept that invitation to become a follower of Jesus, to receive him as Lord and Savior, I want you to just, just raise your hand. Got somebody that'll help me. We, we have some resources for you. If you want to come down, we got somebody at the at my left, your right, that would love to pray with you and partner with you. Anybody this morning you say, I want to give my life to this Jesus. What you're experiencing is the love of God and the grace of God. Don't pass this moment by. The, the, the revival, spirit, love, grace of God is moving. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to have some prayer teams up front. We're going to continue to just uh, minister some people. If you're a guest here this morning, we want to greet you. Uh, we have a gift for you. 
uh, as, you, as you leave on the left, there's an information desk, and God bless you. Lord Jesus, I just pray, I thank you for what you're doing in your church, in your people. And we just ask right now that you would seal it, that God, you would just bring comfort where there needs to be comfort, joy where there's not been joy, peace where there's been nothing but anxiety and fear. We just break that in Jesus' name. And I ask for you to just bless your people today. Let your favor and your face be upon them in Jesus' name. And they all said amen.